Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes with way different lives, different backgrounds, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the love that comes with. We're your hosts. I'm P.S. McKay, coming to you from a place that's California cold, and today only got up to 55 degrees, and I'm wondering when this winter hellscape will end. I'm D.T. Cavman, and today it hit 10 degrees, you bastard. <laughs> 55 is cold. <laughs> We're sitting around in this in this house with blankets on, man. Sweatpants, you know, full on. I'm wearing a t-shirt now, so I'm defeating that purpose. But uh, <laughs> I said, it's California cold. Like, come on. As a soldier, you've been no. in hot places for a long extended periods of time. And, but, and when you went back home in the winter... You felt it be a little bit nastier, right? I felt my skin returning to normal. Oh, is that how we define it? <laughs> yes. I see. I see. All right. Well, DT, are we, we doing well? Anything Anything new on the home front? Uh, home front is fine. Uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's doing all right. Uh... No complaints. How about you? No, doing good. Uh, Matt Jr. and I are going to be heading up to the mountains pretty soon uh, for a sixth grade, um, his big sixth grade trip, which hasn't happened the last two years now at his school. And we're just like, fingers crossed that with the uh, variant that shall not be named, that it doesn't interfere with this one this year. They're pretty optimistic. <laughs> Um, but I, I'm a chaperone on it and I, I'm just, I don't want to see it rob. I don't want to see this trip robbed from them, you know? Well, advice I can give you is make sure you predict, you know, look at the weather far out and see what you can determine. If you're going in February, I don't care if you're going to Cali, make sure you pack warm. <laughs> Yes. Oh, no, we have to buy hand warmers. We have to buy... We're going up to the mountains. We're going up to 7,000 feet. So... <laughs> Things that cover your ears and neck. Yes, I grew up in New England. I, 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 I did take the steps of when I got out of the shower and started walking to the bus stop, my hair froze. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd say make sure you pack plenty of ammunition for your firearms but you're you're from that weird left coast so <laughs> i'll just say that pack beef jerky a pocket knife and some matches we're not allowed to bring contraband food i'm like sitting here going i don't know man contraband i gotta bring at least food what are they yeah. hunting their own food they keep emphasizing that we're going to be fed well. And I'm like, I'm not worried about that. It's just, can I get, can I get me some diet soda, please? Oh, I just hey, want... uh, <laughs> look, beef jerky does definitely will prove that you will not be fed well. Uh, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> if anybody asks, just say <laughs> rawhide. Rawhides. Yeah. <laughs> This is extra shoelaces for my boots. All right, so. look. In all seriousness, do you have a Leatherman? 
a Leatherman. I'm going to ask you a question that's going to shame me. What's a Leatherman? It's a heavy-duty version of, like, a pocket knife. No, I've got a Smith & Wesson 2.5-inch blade. That's all I got. Well, then you need a Smith & Wesson uh, three, 357. But... <laughs> yeah. No, it's a 2.5. I can get it. It's right over here. Uh, you saying I need to go to the the? Do I need to go to the Bass Pro Shop and and grab myself a Leatherman knife for the sixth grade trip? It's not. A, <laughs> I mean, if you've got a knife, fine. This is uh, trying to explain it to you without mocking you mercilessly, but <laughs> I'm gonna have to. When has it ever stopped you? Because I'm your friend. And I'm no, doing please. <laughs> that I'm... just gives you more license, too. Look, I'd prefer you carrying a, a, a pistol with a license to kill, but I know where you live. <laughs> I, I do have a gift certificate to go get a gun, by the way. The Mrs. Gate bought me one. A gift for my certificate birthday. to get a gun? What are you? Yeah. Texas? No, I'm serious. I got a gift certificate, certificate with the explicit instructions to go buy a handgun. And I'm like, I, I, I want to do it, but I want to do it with someone who knows what they're doing and not be at the mercy of the salesperson. Oh, a multi-use tool, Leatherman. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Well, that would be scrumptious to have. They usually come with a little pouch that you can put on your uh, belt. Um, hmm. Well, it's seventy dollars, so I'll wait till payday. Ah, now <laughs> that's the one I have. There's like a pretty decent one that's a little smaller, a few less tools for like forty. If you go down, because I sent you the Amazon link, you go down and like look at other versions, you can find one that might fit benefit either the price range or what you're looking for. No, no, I trust. I trust what you're saying here. As well, you good. Paydays in a day and a half. So I, I carried one of those through all of my tours. Did you? Well, I can't imagine higher praise than that, then. Yes. Dang. All right. All and right. Heck, I even use it at work in my office. It's always good to have a multi tool. Wow, this is really weird, DT. You know, this section is brought to you by Leatherman Pocket Size Multi Tool. Just go to Leatherman.com, put in the Zoe Sci-Fi Guys code, and you'll be good to go for a 20% discount. Don't do that, because we don't have any sort of licensing right. I'm just saying. You're Gerbers just saying. are okay. We were actually issued Gerbers. I preferred my Leatherman. I got you. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to have to do this. You I'm saving the link right Gerber now. and see if that works better for you. I mean, I had Swiss Army Knives as a kid. Which were good, but these have more. Well, it also looks more steady than a Swiss Army knife. A Swiss Army knife looks like, I mean, it can bend easily. If you get an actual made Swiss Army knife, they're pretty sturdy. Are they? There's a lot of knockoffs out there. Yeah. Huh. Okay, cool. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. That's uh, that, that's, uh, good to know. All right, well, let's bring us to our next topic, the topic of the evening. 
DT, you want to start it off? Yes, but first. Oh, in God. The la- in the last <laughs> couple weeks, both the last week of the new year and the first couple weeks, uh, the last week of the old year and the first couple weeks of the new year, you know, we, we've kind of taken a beating on our childhood. We lost John Madden. We lost yes. Eddie White. Oh, my we God. just recently lost Sidney Poitier as uh-huh. well as Bob Saget. The incomparable Bob Saget. I took yep. that one hard. Well, much like Betty White kind of felt like your grandmother, Bob Saget, along with, you know, Carl Winslow, uh, Reznovel Johnson, kind of felt like your dad. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Those two guys plus Uncle Phil kind of were like the, the yeah, pinnacle were... of, of fathers in in the late 80s, early 90s. They absolutely and, uh, were. There used to be one more. Uh, but he, we can't speak of that anymore. I hear he's in jail now, doing pretty well. Yeah, so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, remember watching Full House as a kid and then watching America's Funniest Home Videos. I didn't mm-hmm. really get into How We Met Your Mother, but he was behind that. I love Dirty Work. It was great. But he, he directed. I... I need to see Dirty Work. I, I I saw bits and pieces of it when it first came out on cable, but I, oh, I need hilarious. to make an effort to see it, yes. It's hilarious. Uh, In a tribute to both him and Norm, who we lost. Yep. Oh. And, and and let's just let's say right now, uh, Artie Lang did a very good job in it, too. You know? Yeah, Artie was hilarious. Uh, so, um, no, I need to gross. see that. On Comedy Central. It was hilarious. Oh, when did that come out? Oh, must have been. I think it was 2008, according to something I read recently. That's about. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Have they done roasts lately? I mean, uh, not in the last two years, but I mean, have they done them within the last five, six? Yeah, I think they did it all the way up to. I think 20. There was like 28, 2018, 2019. There was 27. The last three were like Bruce Willis, Rob Lowe, and Alec Baldwin, and they were all pretty good. Okay. All right. Oh yeah, Alec Baldwin was very recent, actually. Adam Carolla did that one. He actually he actually called up Alec and said, "Hey, I want to roast you. Can I get on?" He's like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> Talk so. about dudes who were complete at the opposite ends of the uh, complete opposite ends of the political spectrum. No, but you know what? You're absolutely correct. They are, but they also recognize an intelligence in each other, which. You know, put everything else aside. Alec Baldwin is going through what he's going through, but he has a certain intelligence and a clarity that a lot of people don't have. Except about firearms. I know. I I said put that aside. I, I can't. Said put that aside. <laughs> no, this is the guy who had <laughs> up the ass about gun rights, and then he. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I loved him on Thirty Rock. I uh, think he's brilliant. a talented actor. I loved him in The Hunt for Red October. Numerous things. But I think it was still... SNL that taught him that he was he was meant to be a comedic actor, not a leading man. Because when oh, yeah. he did, when he was hosting with with Adam Sandler in the early '90s, and they did that that uh, Cub Scout skit. <laughs> First of all. 
Alex just looked like he loved every second of it, and Adam Sandler did the was the greatest. Well, he just looked extremely uncomfortable. He just looked horribly uncomfortable, and I don't know if he was acting or not. <laughs> well, yeah. anyway, a tip of our hat to our fallen legends. Because mm-hmm. most of them, because the ones I mentioned all really were in their field, right? Yeah. John Mann was a legend as both a, a coach, a broadcaster, and a video game empire. You yeah. have Betty White, who was like one of the, you know, she was a pioneer of television and just an absolute comedy icon. Oh, absolutely. Sidney Poitier was, I, I think he was like the first major Afri- African-American movie star. And Bob he was Saget. The first, wasn't he the first black man to get an Oscar? He might have been that, too. Uh, he all right. I gotta I gotta dignify that with. I want to make sure that he, you know, he was. But go ahead. And then of course Bob Saget was kind of like for those of us of around our age, was kind of like, you know, the TV dad. You know, I mean, he he was in your living room at least two times a week in the late eighties, early nineties. You know. Yep. Whole House and America's Funniest Home Videos. And, you know, he, he gave a shit ton to charity. He was a filthy comedian. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Complete opposite of the, the characters he played, and, you know, and, you know, when he kind of made his prime. But, yep. Supposedly well, an extremely nice guy, very funny, even when he was not doing his holy filthy uh, comedy routines. Yes. Okay, I want to clarify, it was Sidney Poitier that was the first uh, male Academy Award winner. Do you know who the first female Academy African Academy Award winner was? Was it Hattie McDaniel for Gone with the Wind? Good job. She was the first African American to win. Yep, and she couldn't even sit like in the theater with everybody. She couldn't, she couldn't even be there. I, what a fucking travesty that was. I'm surprised. It's almost surprising that she actually won or was nominated. Exactly. It's just, I mean, she, the critics were able to do, or the whatever, the Academy was able to do enough future math to realize that she was really good in 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 that movie, but no one else could do the future math of that it would look terrible that she wasn't there, like in ninety years. Like the first African American woman, African American to win, or Black American to win the Academy Award, and she was not allowed there. I put it up to the fact that we didn't have penicillin back then. I don't know I don't what know that where means. you're going with that. That, I, that it's sounds, my... It actually sounds really bad. You're right. So I just realized that. Let's no, just uh, move on. <laughs> no, my point is, I talk. I use penicillin as a point of modern times. Like this is modern times. Penicillin has been around. And I think penicillin was invented in the twenties. So penicillin was around. There was modern times, people, and she wasn't allowed in, which is re freaking ridiculous. And we haven't got enough time to really talk about it. But fair enough. Anyway, I miss Bob anyway. Saga. Miss Bob Saget, yeah. He's on, uh, FYI, Fuller House is on Netflix, and Full House is on HBO Max if you have HBO Max. Jeez, you'd think that would be on Hulu because it was like on, it was on, 
It was a Disney show. Warner Brothers. It's owned by Warner Brothers. Mm, fair enough. Oh, yeah. Love you then. Boom. So. So, <laughs> so today's topic. Uh, when I was one something that I was actually thinking about over the last couple of days was there are some great leads in sci-fi which we've discussed. Oh, yeah. Shit, I already I already see you going a different direction than I thought you were. Go but, ahead, continue. <laughs> but we also get in sci-fi movies, sci-fi, particularly science fiction, are these captains. You know, you and I, we like these space operas, these sci-fi shows, you know, where there are spaceships or futuristic mm -hmm. vessels somewhere. And all of these ships have to have people in charge. Yep. Now, typically for our, you know, big Western influence thing, the ship's captain, right? Be all end all. Your, big you know, your Horatio Hornblower, your, you know. The essential. Right. You get, you get the. You know, the dashing hero who... Your Captain you know, Cooks, your Surf, uh, Frederick Drake, Captain Drake. Your Stephen Decatur's and, and mm -hmm. whatnot. And of course, this is where a lot of the influence came from, some, from some of these legendary uh, sailing captains. You know, for every, you know, Sir Francis Drake or... Uh, and thank you, Oliver Hazard, Oliver Hazard Perry, mm -hmm. or James Cook. You also have things like Blackbeard and Black Sam Bellamy and these pirate captains. Mm -hmm. But flash forward to the 20th and 21st centuries where people start doing these things and, you know, for sci-fi and where do we look into the stars and what do we look at? A ship's captain, you know? That that has become in the last fifty five years the ultimate symbol of leadership when it comes to sci fi. Oh yeah. I agree. So with that being said, tonight's subject or today's subject, whenever you want to listen to it, honestly, guys. Um the top captains in sci fi. Yes. Unless I misworded that. Yes, we're well, we're talking about great captains in sci-fi. Okay. I don't mm -hmm. think we need to go ahead and and rank them. That might be the subject of a later uh video. We don't need to rank them. No, we don't need to rank them. I, I, I thought of some captains that I felt were great, but I didn't think about ranking them. Because they're so different. Yeah. I mean, each captain served their own purpose to an exceptional degree, right? Correct. But it doesn't mean that the other captains would have done the same in that same scenario. Oh, yes, quite. Like, we know Pe Picard would have done something very different than Kirk. Right. But each of them have greatness and, and notability in their own right. Exactly. Now, for the subject of, for the point of this we are going to only talk 
about captains who were the who were the primary focus of their show or movie just because you know there's there's been some pretty notable uh you know guest stars who have you know recurring guest stars or you know one-off guest stars who were great captains like taking for example shran on enterprise who was captain of an andorian ship Mm -hmm. but he wasn't a main character and while so I enjoyed him. We just have so many others that we can go through. So there, I'm gonna kind of diverge. I'll let you go first with some of your 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 inputs. I got some no, no, inputs. No. You in my go own. ahead and and talk about your divergence. I'm curious now. Well, I think I mean I don't think we. I understand where you're going with the idea of having main characters be examined. We just have so many that we can go through. I was just trying to narrow our field just a tad. Right, but if we're going with truly great standout characters, I think we should also include supporting characters or those that came in temporarily. Every, you know, maybe for a multi-episode arc or something like that. All right, I'm willing to accede to that. And, and, you know, I mean, I got a list of four. They've, so, they've got to be more than one-offs, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, the ones I have are more than one-offs. That's all I'm asking. It's because it's easier to judge impact and greatness. Yes. Okay. So, with that Since being... you have a shorter list, why don't you start? No, 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 no. Oh, I have... If you only have four, I've got a list of about a dozen. So you got you a go dozen. Hey, you got a pair back, man. All right, let's go back and forth. You go ahead and... Well, then I might as well lead off since I have so many more. Yeah, yeah, lead off. We'll just go back and forth in between. Now, I have a dozen. Doesn't mean I was going to name them off. I figured if there was one you mentioned, then I wouldn't go ahead and mention them again. Oh, I highly doubt that you're going to mention any of the ones that I have. <laughs> well, I have one. <laughs> okay. Not captain by rank, per se, but definitely captain of a ship in a big, popular sci-fi show. William Adama, commander of Battlestar Galactica. Well done. Well done. Yes. Who did eventually rise to the rank of admiral because he did did. take command of the fleet, but... He was commander Adama. In their messed up ranking system, commander <laughs> is essentially the same thing as a navy captain. Yep. And, and this, he hand he had the literally the weight of the world on his shoulders. He did, because he was not only really just the captain of a ship, but like commander of whatever was left of the military. You know, humanity. Almost. I mean, like I mean, civilians were, were back forced and forth to... with. For the first year or so, really back and forth with President Roslin over who really was in charge. But (laughs) eventually they became, you know, like a dynamic duo, you know. Right. Well, they had to fall in love with each other. So it just made sense. (laughs) They had no peer. No, they didn't. So. (laughs) But. He had to make really hard decisions. He had to make very unpopular decisions. Yeah. Leaving the leaving the fleet that was not FTL capable. Uh, uh, and the second and, wave attack. Oh, that was brutal, wasn't it? 
That was horrible. I mean, I mean it, it was, was horrible a, when I first saw it. When I rewatched it, it last year, it was. It really was. When I watched it last year with fresh eyes, I'm a parent now. And I saw that. I'm just like, I mean, literally, they were doing the callback to the, the what was it? The, the old, um, oh, my God, the old political uh, uh, commercial with the girl counting, pulling daisy things off, uh, the flower petals off, counting down. And then they switch over to a countdown for the launch of nuclear missiles. Like, that was the homage when we saw that girl die on that ship. Like, did you not see that? Did you not? Was that news to you? I don't recall that countdown being a commercial. I think that's actually how how they do it at uh, Strategic Air Command. No, they do. They do. But it was it was no, a pastiche it's, it's not, of, it, 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 No, it's it's actually a girl just plucking flowers. Oh, Jesus instead of Christ. Numbers. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is why this is this is the That's problem. That's what happens at NORAD. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Your deadpan they, they delivery. Track, they track Santa Claus, and then they have girls who pluck flowers to count off missile <laughs> to countdowns. Count down to World War Three. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know the uh, the president gets on the red phone, says, "Nuke," you know, somebody, <laughs> and then some girls just starts plucking flowers while a bunch of there we go. Know, sweaty airmen with with itchy trigger fingers. Boom. Doctor yeah. Strangelove goes rides that bomb on down. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Crazy Uncle Joe. Oh right, yeah. God. But uh, anyway. But he was he was the backbone of humanity. At the very end they did the memorial. And you I, I don't I apologize for stepping on you, but I remember it was quiet and at the end of the pilot he goes, So say we all. Right. So was... say we all and and it was, it was a, a pretty rallying good, cry. It was a pretty good catchphrase. It was. It was great. Um, and it, it showed the... Re- it, you know, it's funny because I didn't He became get a great it. meme, too. He was one of those first dudes who got his picture up on a meme that says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over how awesome I am. Oh, is that, is that right? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was a real hard ass. He was. He he made some tough decisions. Plus, he took like two bullets in the chest. Yeah, he did. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, I I freely admit that at times he could be a real bastard. But, you know, I mean, he in almost every scenario, he was in an unwinnable situation. William Adama might actually be the best captain possible when you when everything has blown to shit around you. I would agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There are many others who we can talk about who, I mean, and he was because of some stuff that happened, you know, like a year or two before the start of the series, he got, was essentially assigned to this rusted old antiquated tub to finish Mm -hmm. out his career. That was a museum piece. Yeah. That that was exactly what it was supposed to become. Mm hmm. Uh, um, I just thought it was a fantastic. I thought he was a fantastic ship captain and a pretty decent leader for a TV you know, show. And I know this kind of runs antithesis to what we we're talking about, but you know which captain I would not want in charge of that exact same scenario. 
Captain Archer. Ooh. Archer, huh? I would not want Captain Archer. Damn it, Archer! <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, if you watch Archer in season three, particularly yes. in the back half of season three, like when the ship's all beat up and he like goes full pirate at one point and i mean that he definitely went balls to the wall for humanity right but that was when he was being broken in archer was archer uh, in season three yeah like i I would argue that archer was not a broken person at the beginning of enterprise but adama was oh well adama uh, adama was extremely broken (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I would argue that in order to get uh, get a group of people through a crisis, you already have to be broken. It well, might be a controversial I, I thing to say. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a thought. I'm, well, I'm just spitballing here. Basically, it just Adama was just he was a survivor, right? He survived oh, the first war. There was some shit that went down there think his wife died his son died i mean it was a mess i mean he survived a lot before he got there so i i can see that i can see that archer had not lost as much at least in season one by the time you get to season three he's seasoned enough he's dealt with enough shit that that's how he was able to complete he's getting more seasoned yeah you know even through season four he was still being developed Right. I mean, and I'll say this. I do have Archer on my list of captains to discuss. Well, let's talk about it. (laughs) Since we're talking about him now. I think Jonathan Archer is extremely underrated, particularly in the Star Trek community. Especially when you watch seasons three and four. I I mean, I would agree with that. Uh, Again, this comes back to the captain's being based off of what they what is needed of them for their situations. But also, you can understand... I think Scott Bakula did a pretty good job of playing a guy who kind of wears his heart on his sleeve, but also wants to do the right thing, but nine times out of ten, he's in over his head. Yes. He doesn't have the, you know... 30 years of Starship Command experience like Jean-Luc Picard. No. He is not a cocky genius flyboy that Kirk is. True. He is... He doesn't even have the patience and simmering rage of Catherine Janeway and certainly does not have the bombastic... In your face, pure power and charisma that Benjamin Sisko had. Well, yes. I love how you said simmering rage with Captain Janeway. That's good. That's good. Particularly later and later as they take hits and you just see this. That that pinch of boiling. Yeah. You can tell that. Everybody is about one second from her just ripping their head off <laughs> that you rarely don't see. Much like Picard, it was very schooled. Kirk would get would blow up more. Archer would, Cisco would. Cisco was a volcano. 
Um, but that's one of the things you like about him. Archer was in many ways a rookie, you know. He was true. He didn't have. I mean, it was like he didn't have a lot of databases. He didn't have no. the entirety of Starfleet's experience backing him up. And he was extremely bitter against the Vulcans, who he felt was holding them back. Who he felt had, uh, you know, basically driven his father into an early grave. Yeah, you know. So there was a lot of bitterness and, dare I say, racism on Archer's part. But he overcame uh, that. It's and quite it, literally racism, yeah. <laughs> and it became, he became, like, Archer was one of the few people that the other racists would actually talk to. Because right. he did his best to reach out to the Andorians. You know, he pissed off the Vulcans to reach out to the Andorians on numerous occasions. And he, but he did his best, he helped change Vulcan society. He reached out to the Tellarites. He was reaching out to all these other different races later on, particularly after the first couple of years. And yeah, in the first few years, there was plenty of times where Archer just straight up stepped on his junk. Okay, out in space. <laughs> Fell flat on his face. What? We don't need weapons out here. Oh, yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's just another proof that Starfleet was flawed <laughs> to begin with. Okay, I'm not saying... You need to send out, you know, <laughs> the battleship Yamato, you know, uh-huh. the heaviest battleship ever built that ever sailed Earth's oceans. Okay. But you got to be able to protect yourself when you go into the unknown. Hence, at least why I said, bring a pocket knife for you, my friend. Bring a pocket knife. Yes. Fair enough. Oh, wow. That's a fresh, fresh set of eyes on that one. That, that, that brings it home. Damn. <laughs> well, look, I also wouldn't. It also wouldn't do you harm to bring one of those hatchets that go on a belt loop that you can carry around for hacking out firewood. Or, you know, uh, grizzly murdering somebody trying to kidnap your son in the woods. I, I It's a secure camp. Uh, all, of, all of our school district schools go here. Uh, <laughs> they've had almost no deaths. So... <laughs> almost no deaths. So I'm I, I I will put the hatchet on the back burner for this one. So, <laughs> but I get your point. I get your point. So, so Archer goes into the unknown, right? Well, all the time with no idea aside from half truths given by the Vulcans on ninety percent of the things out there. Right. The, the like the, the the truths that they can tell without actually lying. Right. So, or they, do honest, they lie? Because, or, or is li- not Jonathan lying part Archer of the new was teachings? Not the captain we wanted, but he truly became the captain we needed. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the captain that was one of the founding principles behind the Federation. You'd have to put him up on that that pedestal. And I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves, because I really began to really enjoy Archer later on, because. You you saw him try to deal with a proto prime directive. You saw him, you know, of course, you saw him flaunt even before there was a prime directive. Do Kirk type shit. You but you you saw that he really wanted to be more like Picard. But in many ways, he had a personality that could have veered into Kirk at any given moment. Right. 
Well, and Scott Bakula and Scott Bakula. And he was younger, too. You know, Patrick Stewart did this, I think, in his late 40s, early 50s. Now, Scott Bakula, what was he, late 30s, early 40s? Granted, that may have only been a 10-year age oh, difference. Oh, don't even say that. Don't even say that. Please don't say that I'm Scott Bakula's age when he started as Captain Archer. Oh, Christ. Now I'm looking this up. It, You're doing this to me. It was a long road getting from there to here. Yeah, it was. You know, Scott right. Bakula had a nice cameo and uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I did not know that, but... Yeah, uh, it's great. He uh born in fifty four. So he was sixty in twenty fourteen. Son of a bitch. It was okay, forty five. So he, so he so was, was older than I expected. Forty six, yeah. Okay. Fair okay. Enough. I feel better. Fair I enough. Better. But anyway, Archer, I think pretty underrated. And I think finally people are starting to notice that because even Discovery has mentioned the Archer space. Dock or whatever it is. Why? Are you still considering I, that canon? What? Discovery? Yeah. Well, even <laughs> if it's an alternate timeline, right? They even <laughs> mentioned him in the in the Kelvin universe. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's you're right. You're right. Well, that was the the point of divergence for that was uh Kirk's birth, so yeah. But still, you get my point. Okay, I agree with I agree with both those. Shall we move on to mine? Yes, you should. All right, I'm gonna keep with the start. Hmm? I started with one, and then we went into another one of mine. Yeah, you haven't you haven't thrown one out yet, huh? Not yet. I'm gonna right now. Okay. I told you just to move on. You said you wanted to talk about uh, Archer, so let's just do it. So I gave permission. Don't worry. Um. All right, keeping with the Star Trek theme on this one, Captain Jellico. Captain Jellico, part of Chain of Command, season six of TNG, was the only other captain aside from Riker to captain the Enterprise in that show. Oh, I was going to say there was. Never mind. Keep commissioned going. captain. Commissioned captain. To Captain the Enterprise. Uh, took over because Picard, Crusher, and Worf were sent on assignment because of possible um, biogenic weapons that were surveyed in the Cardassian territories. And so they were sent there to do that. Jellico was to take over because he was an expert in Cardassian diplomacy. And Quite notably, the he Enterprise crew hated him. Diplomacy. Oh, no, he was. He was. He did well. What do you mm. mean he wasn't an expert? No, he knew, he so. treated the Cardassians the way they were supposed to be treated. He had them wait for four hours. He showed them disrespect. Cardassians thrive on disagreements. They thrive uh, on order. No, they thrive on disagreements and arguments. Arguing is their form of flirting. Do you remember when that woman uh, started flirting with O'Brien because they were they couldn't get along? True, but I think you're also confusing them with Tellarites, which is their main form of conversation. <laughs> no, this is well documented. I'm not wrong here. And the, the mm-hmm. Enterprise crew hated Jellico, which was 
a fresh take on the idea of what would happen if the crew hates their captain <laughs> in Star Trek. Because before that, we only saw, like, this is the best family we've ever had. And now we have someone who is no BS, knows his stuff, gets it done, and also has Troy wear a proper uniform finally. Well, there there's some pluses and minuses to that one. Okay. Um, All right. Let's no, no, see and, I, and I'm not I'm not going with a sexist thing too, but I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do. I I am a very much a proponent of soldiers being in the right uniform. And I am very much <laughs> a proponent that Starfleet needs to get its shit tight. Right. Okay. And Jellico did that. He ran that ship airtight. Clockwork. Did they switch to, to did they switch to, to four six hour shifts? They did go to they did go to four six hour shifts. Yep. Which showed improved productivity among the crew members. That's what he said. You didn't see it because you never saw it. And we gotta take it at face value. We gotta take it at face value. Look, when <laughs> and they stayed me- it. They stayed at it though. They talked about it in another episode where it was it showed improved improved uh, productivity uh, when they were talking to Picard about it. Now, one thing I will say is that he goes from a four hundred man command to a thousand man command like that. Yes. And sometimes when you try to implement things that work at a smaller level to a higher level, they can blow up in your face. True. Ronnie Cox was great as Jellicoe. Oh, brilliant. Ronnie Cox is great at playing an asshole. He is. And Jellicoe (laughs) was an asshole. Jellicoe was not that great a captain. And here's why. Okay. Okay. He says that he understands what he's doing will piss off people. And yes, to a degree, you you can't care. But when you start making significant impact and it universally starts creating negative morale, you cannot bring people with negative morale and with an extremely disrupted chain of command where there is not a lot of trust into a war zone. You do that, people die who don't need to. I agree with all of that. Um, I agree with all of that. He did that last minute. He did not implement this stuff over a period of like 90 days. He did this within a week and expected everything to be functioning at 100% when he took people into a dangerous situation. Understood. Unrealistic and is extremely dangerous for your crew. Understood. And to be honest with you, if the crew was designed for three for three shifts, okay. And then you don't have enough personnel for four shifts. (laughs) Exactly. No, I trust. I understand that math issue. I get it. Uh, if you will allow me, I will. Um, I'm just saying, from a tactical standpoint, 
and uh, with all respect, you should be coming from that point of view. But also, this is a fictional television show. Agreed. And he and and he was picked by Starfleet to do the task that he was supposed to do. Yeah, it was also written so that the ship would go well. Uh, again, I promise yes, you it would. Again, again, yes. But but did he get the job done? And by the way, that's n- just because the crew hated him now didn't mean that they were going to hate him six months from now. Like, because uh, uh, once you get onto the same shift with everyone, the same page with everyone, things start working a lot smoother, and you know your parameters, That because that's just what happens when you report to a new command structure, right? It takes some time to get used to it. Well, of course, there will be that. And as I've mentioned to you before, Unless there is like a severe, like discipline or morale thing to start with, you th- there is a little bit of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Particularly when you have a well-oiled machine preparing for a dangerous situation. Sure. If you change things up just to change things up before you go into a war zone, you're an out. You are a fucking moron <laughs> so you're saying that Nechev is an asshole and a moron for saying that Jellico, for for saying Jellico needed to change up the enterprise for this mission specific situation which turned out extremely well she it would have been an idiot's luck that's what it is <laughs> Okay. I knew it. I knew I would be trolling you with this one. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't uh, mean to troll. I thought that this was a good pick. Honestly, I stand by it. And I stand by I'm it. I'm glad you do. I I was just free to disagree on that one. Right. I've well, that's seen, why we have I've a podcast. Seen, I've seen a, a video on YouTube where somebody said there are reasons why he's awesome. And there are good points. He was not incompetent. No, he's extremely least, competent. At least and he knew how to play into the Cardassian's mind. Maybe a little. But he almost lost his crew. Because he he benched his first officer. And by the way, that episode made Riker kind of douchey too. It did. Because Riker is a douche. He is a douche. He is a douche. He he's a little. He bit was of a... full of himself, and he came up against an, Im- an immovable object that that he couldn't move, and so he got pissed about it. Right, but you see that in other episodes, and he's far less douchey. Well, I mean, he Pegasus. came up against himself, and he was a fucking asshole against himself. Well, he outranked himself. All I'm saying is Riker is not the jovial, wonderful man that we all think him to be. He's a bit of an asshole. And and as long as things don't, as long as things go his way, he'll be the greatest, funnest guy ever until they don't go his way. And then he's a dick. Yeah, particularly some of younger Riker, you know. But, again, we get that, okay? 
he's not perfect. None of these characters are, which no, is good. When no, they are which perfect, is fine. they become boring. I'm not asking for a perfect Riker here. I'm just saying. I'm I just pointing think out the perfect Riker was on lower decks. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, that is pure. Okay, okay. Let me point. Let me. Let me. How do? I, that's pure hedonistic Riker right there. That's Riker where everything goes his way, <laughs> and Nick can't go any other way. <laughs> Although I really did like Riker in Picard. Older Riker, Dad Riker, Dad Riker, uh, pizza making Riker, right? Not small, not small using bit, jazz yeah. to start to the warp count, right? No, right. <laughs> you know, one and a two and a. No, you're right. I I would agree with that too. He was he was decently played. He was decently played as the aged Riker in Picard. No, absolutely correct. I think I I really think he, they nailed that well. I know the the episode was a bit of a bottle episode, which is very rare in like a ten episode season. But also, also their child dying of a silicon disease that would never happen in an, in a carbon based brain, ever, ever. Maybe it was a ever. Maybe he got implants. No. <laughs> We're talking about a silicon-based disease. There was no mention of an implant. I mean, it, it took a positronic brain to cure him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Trek things. Oh, anyway, all right. Your next captain. Do you have right, someone so outside of Star Trek? I do. He may not be great, but he sure as shit is entertaining. Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Hell Yeah. Hell yeah. Nathan Fillion always said the best words that ever came out of his mouth were said by Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah, I agree with that. Like in the movie Serenity, I aim to misbehave. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That that kind of mixture of like Western cowboy, Uh tons of Chinese vulgarity, and just a little (laughs) bit of... And yes, well, we freely admit that the now um, canceled Joss Whedon and his Confederates in space. There are maybe some issues with that. I do very much enjoy Firefly. <laughs> I thought Brown it was coats. extremely well oh written. And I was depressed when it ended. Like oh. I, I, I watched it in 2007. I binged yep, it. Me too. I binged it on disc, and when the discs ran out, when the discs ran out, I was depressed. Depressed. Like, it was sad. It was so good. It was so good. I own the whole thing digitally now, along with Serenity. Mm. I have Hulu. Oh, is it on Hulu? I believe it is on Hulu. There is, there are words. There's rumors that Disney is planning a reboot. I have mixed feelings about that, but that's an issue for another time. Malcolm Reynolds is he a great captain? Eh, He gets them out of he gets them out of their situations, some of which he gets them into. Yep, he can be extremely brutal. I mean, yes. with no compunction of shooting some dude in the face. 
he steals, he lies, he cheats. But in general, he's got a good heart. Mm-hmm. And he, he is damn entertaining. Yes, he is. And you can't tell me that you don't want to walk around in, as a space cowboy like Malcolm Reynolds. No. I mean, he really no. is Han Solo of the 21st century. <laughs> there are there are very similar. Yeah. You know, kind of a rogue who had fought a, lo- fought a losing fight at one point or another. Kind of ends up, you know, developing his own crazy family. And I'm not going to go ahead and say that Zoe is his Chewbacca, but you know, nah. Malcolm Reynolds is just a very fun captain. Yes, he is. A, a, a captain who plays by the seat of his pants and doesn't answer to anyone. Right. Yeah. Much like, I'm sure, the great influence Han Solo. Exactly. Uh, exactly. He. How awesome would, would it have been if they had if they had Harrison Ford as a guest star? Yeah, that would be good. That would have been great. Harrison this, Ford was still at his peak though at that time, so it wouldn't he would have had to go for scale and it wouldn't have worked. Let me say this. He's a he's a little bit like Han Solo, but he's dressed a lot more like Indiana Jones. You're right. Interesting. Uh, yeah. But he's there's just something about him. Of course, Nathan Fillion kills the role. He's, it's awesome, right? He does a great That's job. Nathan Fillion. He's fun. He's quirky. Uh, like the episode where Mal gets captured by, you know, this guy they, they welched on a deal on. And Wash has decided that he wants to go and get involved in the, the action. What was the episode? War Stories, I think. Oh my and, God! You remember it? Oh my! It was I haven't the first, seen these it was, since two thousand seven. I ever watched, and it's one of the ones I've rewatched just because it's so damn entertaining. But Wash like rewires this episode, rewires the shuttle, so uh-huh. only he can fly it, and it leads to him and Zoe arguing about you know doing War it. Stories, and, you said? And, yeah, and and Mal just looks at him. And he's like, "I'm annoyed." And I am armed. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like yeah. whatever it was, we're like they're they're dressed in drag to like because like they were hired in another episode. They were like hired to like keep some bandits from robbing them. Mm-hmm. And he's, he and like Jane are like dressed as women or whatever it is. And it's like I, it's like I swear by my pretty. I pretty much want it that would blow your head off or something like that. He yep. just had some really great lines. And in in the movie Serenity, he was darker, but he'd also suffered a great deal of loss, even more, more personal loss. Oh yeah. In that movie. But he also still had his trademark wit, his trademark oops. You know, a little <laughs> bit of that goofiness yeah well do you want to be captain and jane goes yeah and malcolm goes well well, well you can't you can't, you can't. <laughs> such a great line such a great line and then you've got yeah. um 
like the same episode war stories when he gets captured and he's like fighting off this henchman after he's already like been like tortured and so he's like easy guys the captain needs to do this on his own and he's like no i don't they all like three of them like just blast this dude that was the kind of gallows humor that dark humor that went with it but it was also that kind of like sometimes even even mal who is extremely prideful even he was like fuck this you guys shoot the guy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he was so entertaining so and for a short a show and really i mean the, the they had 13 episodes but one was like a double episode plus the two movies honestly there was it was less than 20 hours of show right yes so to get as well developed characters as they had particularly mal he's just up there with some of the best sci-fi captains out there really oh yeah maybe not the best strategically you know the correct but he was crafty. He was fun. He had a little bit of luck. You know. No, sure. Definitely. What do you think? You like that one? I like that one. I like that one. It's kind of um, nice to, to bring Firefly in. We haven't talked about it much. But. I've got one. He's a little bit of a space pirate. A little bit of a space cowboy. Some call him the gangster of love. This this Some this will segue. <laughs> this will segue quite well. This will segue quite well. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant J T Marsh. Interesting. Exo Squad. I will go ahead and protest this. <laughs> of course you one, will, because it's my suggestion. <laughs> no, he's not a ship captain. No, but he's a leader. I was going to say Admiral Winfeld. I was going to say Admiral Winfeld, but we saw more of J.T. Marsh as... uh... Both excellent leaders. And there were others, like I was thinking of Colonel McQueen from Space Above and Beyond, but he is not a ship captain. So I held them off. Okay, so you want me to go with Admiral Winfeld? Because he was the one who talked about the opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation. Hmm. I did like Admiral Winfield. He was always very wise as a as a Exactly. He was he grizzled. was the wisdom. He was the wisdom to the space pirate uh, what was his name? Jonas Simbaka. Simbaka, yes. Cuz you and I, I had they... mentioned had mentioned Exo Squad in the previous episode, I think, and mm-hmm. I I did have to do a Wikipedia dive on them. You did do a... Honestly, I haven't seen I, I okay. I, I remember how much you loved Exo Squad. Oh my god, it was so great! I uh, Exo Squad. I have all the episodes on disc, and that's the problem because I don't have a disc player anymore, or easily accessible. I have one. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, I've got, I've got. I now have an uh, my my game console hooked up to my desk here, but I um, still have a DVD player. Why? Because there are some things. That I had on DVD that I just can't find, or I just am not unwilling to pay for another service for. <laughs> I have every episode of Exo Squad. Um, I rewatched all the episodes back in 2007. Again, like I, I did a lot of binging uh, of TV shows back then. Um, 
That show was on freaking point. A you very were. serialized sure. show. And I couldn't I couldn't extol its virtues enough to you on the bus. Still and don't I know if I did. Watching. <laughs> um, it was a bit at the end, but I did enjoy it. I will say it was a disappointing ending. Well, it, it was obviously they were hoping for another season, I'm sure. Right. That being said, give me your case for Admiral Winfield, okay? I am very much curious about this. If you're going to go and bring it up, you got to back it up. Well, in much the same way that he was like Adama in Adama's situation, he was faced with the entire destruction of humanity's forces. He had to retreat. He had to make peace with the space pirates in the Jupiter belt because that was the only safe place for humanity after the um oh god, the Neo the Neo sapiens took over. Um didn't they have cloaking devices? Uh I think the big ships did. I think the I pirates. think the yeah the pirates did, and they and yeah, they right. gave it to the what was the name of their big ship? The first one that was just oh the Resolute, and then the Resolute two. That's a good name. Resolute is a good name. Resolute was destroyed. They rebuilt the Resolute to be the Resolute two, and that was when Simbaka and Winfield were co co captains, so to speak. Um, Simbaka, I think, was the captain of the Resolute 2, and Admiral was the Admiral for the fleet. Um, but he was able to forge a relationship with the Space Pirates, it, it get them to, to equal footing, and listening to their demands and issues. Let's be honest, after a great big problems such as the Neo Sapiens taking over Earth and Venus and Mars, um, <laughs> you're going to need to figure out how to you change your thinking. He was mm. able to do that and use and instruct JT Marsh and his team on different precision strikes in this guerrilla war at this point in order to weaken the Neo Sapien hold so that they could get together and build up their forces in the Jupiter belt and then come back and take over Earth, recreate Venus because they had to they recreate Venus was destroyed, remember? No, but I didn't miss it. <laughs> Venus was destroyed um, in, in the in the in the battles, but it was at the end that Admiral Winfield goes to J.T. Marsh and goes, "Remember, the opposite of war isn't peace; it's creation." So, and that's when we saw Venus being brought back together with their technology, new technologies and stuff that the Neo Sapiens developed, and things like that. So, anyway, that was a big. Overview. Now, ask me in particular which episodes I remember explicitly. I remember when they were on a train over the Bering Sea trying to save work. Uh, count. Uh, is it countless pieces of art that that are un uh, un invaluable? <laughs> and the the cue was to destroy the the bridge over the Bering Sea. That's the most explicit one I remember. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But I feel like Winfield, along with J.T. Marsh. Mm, uh, nope, back it off. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. I feel Winfield is one of the better commanders out there in sci-fi history. Never corrupted. Always, always the noble leader. Well, yeah, he didn't fall into the evil admiral trope that Star Trek nope. used to no end. 
Well, something happens when ad- captains are <laughs> promoted to admiral. Like, <laughs> yes, in the military, it's called in the American military, it's called PowerPoint poisoning. Ah, there it is. <laughs> so we're coming up on an hour here. Do you want to do one more, and then we can like maybe continue this into the next episode? Uh, I'm I enjoying think, this. I think we need two more, and we can continue into the next episode. Because this is going to be a long week for me at work, just due to a couple of things. So this allows me to just kind of build into the next. Folks, we're declaring this a two-part episode. Let's make it a two-parter. All but right. I think we each get to put uh, another one out there. Okay. What's your next one? All right. Well, my next one. My big pull was ExoSquad, by the way. I, I was proud of that one. <laughs> Big pull, you wish. Ah! Burn. Getting shorter and shorter every day. You're right. Here's one <laughs> you. that that is uh, that will amaze and astound you. The prototype, Captain Pike, John J. Adams. John J. Adams. Wait a minute. You say J, so we're not talking about the founding father, are we? No. Okay. John J. I don't know. I don't know. Surely you must be joking. Some bitch. Are we talking? Wait. Airplane? Leslie Nielsen from Forbidden Planet. Oh, Forbidden Planet. No. I forgot that he was in a serious sci-fi movie. Well, he came up attempting to be a serious leading man. He was a serious leading man. Forbidden planet. It was only until the late 70s with Airplane that he actually got into comedy and became a comedy icon. But for the first 20 plus years of his career, he was very much a serious actor. That's right. And was in possibly the, the true front runner of Star Trek. The it was this was this was the birth this was the birth of the modern sci-fi trope of having a ship or a fleet being part of a, a navy slash you know fleet humans thing in humans space, in space with in a reporting structure spaceship. right sailing out to explore the the rest the universe and Robbie the robot. Robbie the I Robot, for, yes. I forgot Leslie Nielsen was in this movie. I was he watching was a the, whole deconstruction of this movie the other was day. was the best part about the movie. He was great. Jesus. He was strong. He was decisive. But That's he wasn't right. Afraid he was the commander. Be, he was not afraid to use his brain. And he, and, and he told everyone, he told his guys to get away from Altera so he could get with her. <laughs> Well, you know. Uh, yeah. Captain's prerogative. Captain's right? prerogative. Yeah, that's, that's good to Kirk be the king. To do. That, I guess that's where Kurt got it from. Okay. Okay. Now, remind me, what was the plot again? Because it was the Starship crew in the 23rd century. I mean, literally, it's in the 23rd century. They land on a planet, and they find two survivors... Where it used to be, there used to be an alien civilization. Yes. And it was a Dr. Morbius, or? Yes, this literally could be a Star Trek episode. 
it is a Star Trek episode. It's crazy. Um, so they find that Dr. Morbius is there with his daughter. What happened to the alien race? Was it Dr. Morbius that killed them all? No, I think this was something like they had already. It was like one of those things where like I and I can't remember. I'd have to rewatch it. It's been a long time. I think it was one of those discovered long lost civilizations, highly advanced kind of things. Oh, the like kind Trump. of shits. Yeah. Or something you see in, in numerous Star Trek or Babylon five or one of these things like the great machine in Babylon five. Right. Oh, the great machine in that planet. Yeah. Epsilon about whatever. So. Man, I have to rewatch Babylon. I have to rewatch yes, everything. Yes, we all do. We all need to rewatch everything. Everything. But, but he was the prototype. Yes. Our fleet captain. Oh, that's a good pull. I love that. That's great. Leslie Nielsen, man. I'll oh. always... I'll always try to find a way to slide Leslie Nielsen to something, man. One of the all-time greats. I, I I can't I can't honestly I can't think of something better than that. I mean, this is this is a good way to go out. I know you want me to do one, but I think this is a good one. I mean, uh, Leslie Nielsen, the king of comedy, situational comedy, because he always played it straight, was one of the better commanders. It's sci-fi curious. history. And don't call me Shirley. And don't call me Shirley. Shirley. I mean. <laughs> Just want you to know. Just want to say good luck. And we're all counting on you. Yeah. <laughs> pause back in. I just want you to say no. Good luck. And we're all counting on you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. Shoot all right. me, team. You've only Let's... put one down. You need no, to put... No, I put two. One. I put two down. Uh, oh, Jellico and, and Admiral Winfeld. All right, fair Winfield, enough. Winfield, yeah. So That's two. All right. I like that. That was a good one. You know, you've thrown down two outside-the-box ones. I like yeah. it. Yeah. One you kept Not, not as outside the box as Leslie and Nielsen. I, I, I will also say this. <laughs> I'm letting the Jellico one go too because, to be honest with you, that's one appearance. No, he was in two episodes. I know, but it's one appearance, one story. When you mm. give something like Shran, mm. Shran shows up in different, several different episodes, probably like eight or ten or something like that. Those are not the original parameters in which we agreed to when we started this podcast. Yes, you. I knew you were. <laughs> nah, you were leaning into this one. I still, I, I give you an asterisk on that one. Nope, not an asterisk. Yes. Nope, not an asterisk. It was the same <laughs> nice and episode. clean. <laughs> it Dana won Fran. a Jupiter Award for humanity and, and uh, you know, a uh, humanitarian award for the portrayal of, uh, of of torture in modern day society. Yeah. That that helps my argument none. <laughs> so, all right, all right. So well, you let's say you only have two more. Well, okay. Well, here's the benefit of pushing right. this off until the next episode. I Tell can get what. at least two more in. Tell me what you ha- what the other two are now. You don't have to defend or whatever. Tell me what they are now. All right. But it, we can save them for the next one, and this allows you to bring. New ones in. 
other ones in too. So who do you got? Captain Sheridan. Oh, I was gonna say him too. Yeah, that's fine now. It's mine. Lo- love him. It's mine, bitch. It's mine. We'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> I, that was a definite must have to the list. It was. It was a lot better than uh, Shepard, by the way. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. And uh, Captain Carter from SG One. Stargate. Okay. Wait, was she the shrink? No, she was the female. She was the female uh, uh, physicist that was on the team. The the uh, blonde, short hair woman. Again, you're stretching it. She was she in w- command she, of a starship. She was the Prometheus, and she was in command of Atlantis later on. All right, then I will let you explain that one to me because. I don't know. Ooh, I only got through folks, like I'm four my, I'm using my knowledge of Stargate to the best of my ability to be able to get one around. But now. I knew who All she right. was. <laughs> yes, and she, she was did. an Air Force captain, which is like a Starfleet lieutenant. Yeah, right. she later became colonel. Um, and then uh, she and commanded then Jet- a vessel. I will I will go ahead and say that that is a valid point. She, she did command a vessel, and then she became... I think she was. I think she was a, a general of of uh, Atlantis too. I don't know. I don't know if she got the general. I got to double check that. But she was there for a year, so in the Pegasus Galaxy. It's a good show, DT. You got to watch it. So. I know. There's a million and one good shows that I've got to watch. We all have to watch everything, as I said. We do. <laughs> all right. So. Captain John J. Sheridan, that is most definitely a win. That was one I would have discussed had we not, had you not brought it up. We will discuss it in the next episode. I think mm-hmm. that's a solid one. All righty. I am curious to hear your description. Well, give me, give me a little bit more on Shep- on um, Colonel Carter. Carter, yes, because I know what she was in like the first few episodes of SG One. Right, physicist. She was an outsider. They had a ton of really outdated, basically sexual harassment that was going on. Yeah, that was typical of late 90s. Because uh, <laughs> what's funny, the funny part about the late 90s is we all knew what sexual harassment was. But for some reason, it still kept happening. <laughs> like, it's just not as part of the culture. harassment if the woman's just, tough and will put, and push back. Just, it was it that's true you're right sexually harassment if she was tough if nope. she if she pushes back and she she has a sharp tongue yeah you're right uh it's not sexual harassment and that was the definition of sexual harassment in the 90s so <laughs> no but okay so like i said she she helped figure out how to to work out the software to work to, to make the star uh, gate work she was always behind all the technical stuff that fixed the the problems with the ancients and all other alien technology. She literally. Uh, but you need to define her as a captain. Like we've talked about these other captains. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm going to have to. Ship. She commanded Atlantis. I got to get back to you on that. Did she. Fly to other galaxies, other planets. Did she? Yeah, she did. 
lead away teams or she fought missions? against the replicators. Uh, I mean, she she was instrumental in the destruction of the replicators in the Pegasus Galaxy, um, destroying their old commander, Commander Weir, um, who was taken over by the the replicators. So. Was she See, take charge? Was she more thoughtful? Was she she was a very thoughtful person. She was she, more of a Picard type, but not not as um, how shall I say, British confident. <laughs> okay, so she was more as a reserved. scientist. She was a reserved person. As a scientist, always questioned everything, including a lot of the stuff she did. She did so a lot to try to like hide Janeway? herself. Um. I would hmm, no, I wouldn't say that. Jane was more confident. More like she, Archer. She she was a scientist. A lot of doubt. She was she was a lot like Archer, actually, a lot like Archer. You can almost you can find a, a parallel to I, almost. Yeah, I know, Archer right? <laughs> she was she was a lot like Archer. Yes. <laughs> Damn it, Archer! Damn it, Archer! <laughs> so anyway. That's the overview. I'll work on my I'll work on my dissertation of defense. So, <laughs> well, you've given us a good part on her. I will allow you to close your argument the next time. You'll allow me. Oh, good. Because Thank we you. will Thank need you, to sir, dive into Sheridan. We'll need to dive into a couple others that I've got out there, and I know you'll have at least one more. In I'll probably have one. You'll more. have at least one more ace in the hole next time. I'll probably have one more. No, so let me no go ahead and give you a preview of one that you're aware of that you will that we will be a good one to talk about. Now, of course, as you've all heard, we've generally avoided most of the major Star Trek captains. We did talk Archer, who I think again, you know, if you're ranking the of the Berman of, of the original pre-discovery captains, you you know. You know, your big five will be Kirk, McCoy, or Kirk, Kirk, Kirk McCoy, McCoy <laughs> Admiral McCoy. Yeah, yeah. Admiral Kirk. McCoy. Has there ever oh. been a doctor that's been Admiral? I understand Surgeon General, which is weird to me. Yes. But there's, has there ever been a doctor that served as an Admiral? Yes. Really? The Surgeon General. No. Each, no. Each, each branch has like their senior you know like the head of their medical branch right you know will usually some of them will some of them will be practicing physicians and of course years and years and years ago like something like leonard wood had started I'm talking an army about surgeon. admiral of the pacific fleet not that i can name but there's been several generals who had started at doctors. Granted, this was mostly 19th century type stuff, but right, they're not real doctors. They just knew how to cut things off and and sew them back together. <laughs> just say with a good with a good bottle of booze, and it didn't even have to be a good bottle. So yeah, but before that, there wasn't even that. So true, true. So anyway, um. Yes, the Surgeon General is an actual medical, and of course, the Surgeon General can actually be a general, not just Navy. But they right. seem to come out of the Navy Medical Corps more lately. Anyway, very much so lately. Anyway, 
Um, yes. So, okay. Uh, we, Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, Archer, right? The, all mentioned tonight. They were all mentioned tonight, all but they were not tonight, part of our dissertation. Except for Archer. Right. Archer was. Who I think, because he also had the least amount of screen time. Correct. Even including Kirk, who got a whole bunch of movies. Correct. And Archer also seems to be kind of like the, you know, forgotten child of, of that. So that's why I felt that he was a good one to choose. I do think when, when we close out next week, we should probably go ahead and and give a little bit of love to our, you know, to our shining beacon captains. But I do like these discussions of other captains. So well, that's kind of what it turned into this episode, which I like. Yeah, that was it that was good. fun. You gave I, the assignment. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to think of Picard. I'm not going to. I want to. I want to do some good polls here. And I and I and I had some deep. I had some deep cuts myself. Leslie one Nielsen. I, <laughs> one I think that I, I that I want to bring up and discuss is Christopher Pike, and we'll save that for next week. Which one? All three. All three. <laughs> and for the record, I am counting the Jeff Hunter and the I can't remember the actor who played him in um, in the Menagerie. No one can. No one can. Um, but I'm up. counting that all as one Pike. Okay. Fair. And technically, I'll allow it so, because they technically are trying Mount. to show it that way. And so was Anson Mount technically. Yes. But it was finally nice to see some real portrayal of Pike. But we can talk a little bit more about that another time. How does that sound? We can I talk like about it. that next week. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> you got to do it in the Majel Barrett voice. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Except more feminine and uh, yeah, professional. Yeah, I can do that. And, uh, you know, better than mine. So, <laughs> all right, I agree. I like it. Okay, so we got homework. Um, that sounds like a finality, folks. So, anything else you want to add before we head out? Let's Dead air. Just, let, let's just say. Dead air. That we have some. Oh, can, you, can you hear me now? I can hear you now, but you, you can't pause that much on radio. A good pause is effective no matter what medium. Quote it. Citation noted, please. Nah, you can't do that. Can't do it yourself. You can't do it. Stop wasn't me quoting. <laughs> now you can quote it since I've said it. But you can't. can't quote yourself. <laughs> I didn't quote myself. I was just making a point. Uh-huh. Good strategic pause. In fact, going back to the original intro where we were talking about Bob Saget was talking about some of his comedic icons who were things like Charlie Chaplin and Jack Benny and whatnot. And he was like, because I was listening to it 
He was doing um, a podcast that was broadcast on one of the, the uh, serious radio. It was a rerun this week that they were playing it after he passed. Mm. He's like, nowadays everybody gets really nervous about dead air. But, you know, some of these old guys who even got a start in radio knew the, the you know, the comedic value of a proper pause. I'm not a comedic genius. So I I might not know <laughs> the exact parameters, but dead air is overrated. Dead air, nah, yeah, it is overrated. You're right. That being said, I think we have a very fun topic this week, and I do mean this week because we will continue later on our next episode. Is this our first two-parter? It is, actually, yes. I mean, not counting where we would preview part of an episode, you know, part of a show, and then, like, wrap up and with finish finale. it up later, yeah. No, it is, actually. This actually, is and I have another episode. idea. The ah. best sci-fi ships. We Yes, and I was thinking of that, too, as I was thinking of the... I bet you were, yeah. <laughs> so... We will I'm not. I'm that. not gonna. I'm not gonna say I'm original in thinking that. Maybe we, we should, should do, do that, that too. next week. I think so. Yes, let's do that we'll too into next week. Get a bit week. of a theme for this next couple episodes. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Then I'm gonna go ahead and say it has to be a pure ship. Can't be ship. Sort of space station. Okay. What if the space station is a ship? Yeah, we're splitting hairs now. Like we need to <laughs> let's be specific because there's plenty to choose from. Mm, all right, and we also so have no to stay away star, from video games, even though it can travel and go to hyperspace. Yep. Okay. Okay. But we also have to stay away from video games too, because you know you're dealing with like crazy crap with the video games. Yeah. So let's let's keep it fairly limited to TV and movies. That. Okay. All right. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Oh, right. I've got a good one for that one, too. Ooh. Join us next time, folks, where P.S. McKay will say, Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. All right, everyone, that's the finality. So until next time, you guys uh, keep dreaming. We're going to keep working in some such kind of way. And so long, everyone. Look, that was the weakest Shatner I've ever heard. You have to punctuate your pauses, not mumble through them. Some such kind of way. That's a walking. Yeah, you were, re that you was, were really uh, doing a little more Christopher Walken. <laughs> uh, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's more expensive. No, 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 no. All right, I got one. This is, all right, I'm going to do this character that sends us out. What was that, Chewbacca taking it? Yes! It was! Two. Two shits. <laughs> all right, my friends. We'll see you on the high ground. Because we obviously hit... The low, the low ground. <laughs> we hit the low ground indeed. Remember, 
shit runs downhill, so I will most definitely see you on the ground. Start running! <laughs>